Good morning, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is wonderful to see you here today. Wow. It's a good crowd. I'm always amazed when I stand up here, see people listening to the words the Holy Spirit hopefully told me to write down and not my own words. Amen. So welcome to Heights Christian Church. I hope that you all had an opportunity to read or at least uh, watch the videos uh, for this last week's lesson. Um, I went through them several weeks ago because I had to prepare, right? So as stated before, we're going through the Bible in five years, and we are in the latter half of year four, and we're in the wisdom literature. And Proverbs, as Mark stated last week, has 31 chapters in it. And these 31 chapters are good to be doing once a day. Like today is the fifth. You would be on chapter number five today. Right? And uh, so each month has a minimum or a maximum of 31 days. And so you can read one chapter a day and get through Proverbs. And so we are discussing, we are in Proverbs, and I've been given the honor to be up here and to speak to you for the first lesson in Proverbs. We did one through four, and we will be going through some of those chapters. But it's discussing wisdom, and this is Solomon giving his wisdom to his son. And he wrote it down, and several thousand years later, we are able to still read it. So today we're going to start in Proverbs 3.15. As reading Proverbs can be confusing at times when you take it out of context, and a lot of it is a couple of verses that coincide, and then there's a next lesson. So we'll start in Proverbs 3.15. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare to her. Now, that's a, that's a wonderful sentiment, right? Women love to hear that verse. Because, you know, they think it discusses women. It discusses what they have, and they love to hear that they're more precious than rubies and that nothing can compare to them. And this is true of our brides and our loved ones. However, we see in Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. So when we take it into context, we are discussing wisdom and not our brides or women that we love. It does say in other places that it is good to find a wife, right? That women are, head of, are not head of the household, but women can make the household happy. They can make it not so happy. Anyway, it's talking about wisdom, and the reason... Hey, I'm single, y'all. I just... The reason wisdom is given in the feminine pronouns is because the word is feminine in the original languages, much like, you know, the masculine... Uh, feminine and neuter that we have in many languages but not so much in in, in English. So if you read the Hebrew, the word chokmah is feminine and therefore the pronouns for the word is feminine. That's why it says she. Wouldn't that be a beautiful name for a daughter? Chokmah. Come here, chokmah. Kind of rolls off the tongue, right? Not so much in English. So what if you're a fan of reading the Septuagint? Now, if you don't know what the Septuagint is, the Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament. It is the Greek translation. And it's sometimes referred to the LXX 
for the 70 to 72 people that translated it. Well, the LXX is 70 in the Roman numerals. It's a Septuagint, means 70 in Latin. So that name must have come on later. This translation in the Koine Greek happened two to three hundred years before Jesus was born. And it was well read and around when he was alive on earth. But I digress. Anybody know the Greek name for wisdom? In, uh, for wisdom? Anybody know the Greek word for that? Sophia. That's right. Much easier to say. Y'all learned Greek today. What Greek word did you learn today? Sophia. Sophia is a beautiful name for a daughter as well, right? That rolls off the tongue just a little bit better than Hokma. But I digress, right? So let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And we'll see what this is about. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom justice, judgment, and equity to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. This is why Proverbs was written, so that we can have understanding it's why you should read it. It gives us wisdom. It gives us instruction, understanding, and knowledge, and discretion, and increases our learning so that we know when we need to seek wise counsel. Let's look at Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools defies, despise wisdom and instruction. Notice the word fear there. When I was a child and a young Christian, I didn't want to fear the Lord because my understanding of the word was to be afraid and I couldn't wrap my head around a God who loved us that I had to be afraid of. I will tell you what it means to fear the Lord so that you can understand how we are to fear the one who loves us. The definition of fear for this instance is not to be afraid but it is to have reverential awe of God. Have you ever met someone who was famous, very charismatic, and you were in awe of this person? I've seen some people like that. I've met many famous people. Remember that feeling you had when you were in awe of them? You multiply that exponentially to the magnification of who and what God is and there you will find reverential awe. Because God is much higher than what these people are here on earth. This is the reverential awe that causes us to love him more. This reverential awe is like a newborn looking at his mother and father for the, for, as he gives his complete trust to them for his care. This is how we look at God. This reverential awe causes us to break out in songs of worship during the day. Because we love God. We are in awe of what he has done for us, and we thank him for it. This is what it means to fear the Lord. Amen? Now back to Proverbs. Solomon encouraged his son in Proverbs 1.8. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. 
These are wise words even today for children, for those of us who are older children, to listen to our parents when they give us something that we need to know. Wisdom comes with age and through a lot of hard trials and stress and things that we have done wrong. That's where wisdom comes from. Where else does it come from? Solomon got it at a very young age. So now we're going to look at Proverbs 1.10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. That's, that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't matter what the sinner is enticing you to do. Do not consent to do it with them. I, I could give you a number of examples where we fail to head, heed these words, and they do not have to be as harsh as seeking to murder someone and steal from them as the next few verses of chapter 1 give us. But it can be smaller things, such as your friends try to talk you into setting tires on fire, riding a motorcycle or driving a car when you're too young and you're not licensed to do so. Looking at your dad's or your older brother's magazines that they shouldn't have, much less you shouldn't be looking at either. There's any number of things that people try to pressure you into doing that you know are wrong. If a sinner entices you to sin, don't do it. So what are the benefits of having wisdom? Besides, you know, you don't set tires on fire when you're 15 years old. Let's look at Proverbs uh, 2, 10 through 22. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who lead paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from an immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to return, none who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. These are the benefits of having wisdom, to bring pleasure to our soul, discretion and understanding, and to keep us from the path of things that are evil, like setting tires on fire. Solomon goes on to encourage his son in Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My son, do not forget the law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Did y'all catch that? Length of days and long life when you have wisdom. When you remember the words. You won't set tires on fire. Anyway, Solomon gives the added benefit of wisdom is giving a long life and to bring us peace. In today's culture, people find, need to find wisdom and stop being angry over every little thing that does not matter in the grand scheme of life. 
So where do we get wisdom? How do we receive it? How can we get it for ourselves? How did Solomon get so wise? For that, we go to 1 Kings 3, 1 through 15. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temples of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon and offered sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count in number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern a great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be, never have been, Anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So Solomon awoke, and he realized that it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. That's how Solomon got wise. He asked for it. And he did so reverently with honor to who God's people were and who God was. You can also find this story in 2 Chronicles 1, 1 through 12. We're not going to read it because it's the same story. But it's there just the same. So did Solomon tell his son how to receive it? Go to Proverbs 2, 1 through 9. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice. And preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice. Equity 
and every good path. So Solomon states that we are to listen to wisdom. Apply it to our heart, the very center and the core of our being. Apply it to everything that we are in life. Even so much as crying out for wisdom. I'd almost equate that to begging for it. That we need it, that we need discernment. Seeking it as the one would do for silver and hidden treasures. Then you understand the reverent awe that you will have in God. For he is the giver of wisdom. That's where wisdom comes from. God gives us wisdom when we ask for it and we seek it. Now we go to James 1, 5, and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. All we have to do is ask for it and not doubt that God will give it to us. That's what James says. James also tells us what wrong wisdom is in James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything, every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God's wisdom is pure. If someone pretends to be wise and they're not pure at heart, their wisdom is not from God. It is peaceable and gentle and yielding of ourselves to God and His will. First of mercy and good fruits and without partiality or hypocrisy. God's wisdom is available to all who seek Him. There are no favorites, nor are there any hypocrisy in the wisdom of God. So what does wisdom look like today? Billy Sunday said, The reason you don't like the Bible, you old sinner, is because it knows all about you. (laughs) Them some wise words. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you looked at it and you're like, Man, this thing's talking about me. It's written thousands of years ago and it's talking about what I do in life. That's because sin nature doesn't change. Human nature doesn't change. Sunday also said that the law tells me how crooked I am. Grace comes along and straightens me out. Did you know that? The law shows us a need for a Savior. Because we cannot obey all Ten Commandments all the time. We just can't. That's why Christ gives us grace. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler who approached Christ wanting to know he could, how he could have eternal life? It's found in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? 
No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life and keep my commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. When Jesus told him what he needed to do, he was sad. He had a lot of things. Didn't want to give them up. Can anyone else relate to that? Let's break it down for you. I can think many of us can, whether we have a little or a lot. We don't want to lose what we have worked so hard to obtain. This is why when a thief takes takes what is ours, we are angry about it. We feel violated. We weren't ready to give those up. We weren't prepared to do so. Were his possessions his idols? Were his possessions more important than God? Those were the commandments he was breaking. Charles Spurgeon stated, Whatever a man depends upon, whatever rules his mind, whatever governs his affections, whatever is the chief object of his delight is his God. That's some eye-opening words right there. Whatever we place above the Father is our God. Let's find other examples of modern wisdom. Another Billy Sunday, uh, Billy Sunday quote. We have a God who delights in the impossibilities. I like this one. This one tells me that a God will take an underdog and help him to achieve things. Like taking a man who no longer had a career who spent many years angry with God, who was really not a nice person to be around, and making him into a preacher that understands the struggles of many things that happens in people's lives, so that when he speaks the word of truth to others, they know he understands them. Amen? That's where I'm at right now. Here's a prophetic saying by Spurgeon. And this is wise, but it is a prophetic saying. A time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining goats. That's that's harsh. So, if I ever get up here and say, in the Bible it says, and then I paraphrase what I want to tell you, understand this. That either... It just came to me, and I don't know exactly where it's located, at which point I will ask someone to find it for me, and you will know before you leave here, or I didn't prepare a sermon at all. So, if this brings someone to mind, I won't say it's purely coincidental. You know, some people say that I go through a lot of scripture, and I do. That's good. My desire is to show you how relatable Scripture is to Scripture in other parts of the Bible and how it relates to our lives today. Here's another bit of wisdom that I found on one of those social media sites that I don't get paid to advertise for. 
You can turn an ordinary sofa into a sofa bed simply by forgetting your wife's birthday. There's a lot of wisdom in that. All the married women said, Ain't nobody going to say it, huh? Amen? Yeah. Baby, you're sleeping on the couch tonight. That's some sound wisdom. Here's some personal experiences with knowing the scriptures of wisdom. When I was hit on my motorcycle and basically bleeding to death in the middle of the road, I repeated Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 over and over again in my head for well over two hours while waiting on... uh, while waiting on and then riding on the life flight to Oklahoma City, which was about a 150-mile drive away, 117 miles by air. And we have trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I repeated that for over two, two and a half hours. And here's the kicker. I was not afraid of dying. Because that verse those verses right there brought me peace I was losing massive amount of bloods the paramedics on the flight thought that I wouldn't make it I found that out later I didn't know if I was going to live or die I didn't know anything except that my savior had me he was with me and that's all I needed to know when I got to the trauma center Emergency room, I was still conscious. I was conscious the entire time. And I was repeating that verse over and over again. The doctor asked me what I was saying, so I told him. He said, I'm a Christian too, and I want you to know, before we do surgery, during the surgery and after the surgery, we'll be praying for you. So knowing that little bit of wisdom not only gave me peace, but it helped me attain the knowledge that my trauma team, the surgery team, were believers and they were going to pray as well. They were placing it in God's hands to guide their hands to save my life. Did it work? Tune in next week. (laughs) All I had to do was trust the Lord. It's coming up on 18 years since that happened. This October. 18 years. And I still remember the head trauma doctor's name I still remember the surgeon who removed my leg. I remember his name. And I remember the head nurse's name who worked in the trauma center when I got out of the ICU. 18 years. So we've looked at a lot of scripture concerning wisdom, what it is and how to obtain it and how to use it in our lives. In case you missed it, we did go through all of chapter 2. The wisdom that Solomon wrote down thousands of years ago is still relevant today. Human nature does not change. We still sin. We still have bad thoughts. We still do bad things. But if we continually seek Christ in our lives and foster a close relationship with him through prayer and reading of scriptures, we can become the light of the world. Charles Spurgeon stated, the Bible is not the light of the world. Bless me. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. So not so much blasphemy, right? You are the first light of Christ that many people will experience, and sometimes you are the only light of Christ that people will experience. 
And so when you have that light within you and you meet someone that doesn't have it, they want what you have. Not in a way that they can steal it from you because they cannot, but you can tell them who can give it to them. You can tell them all they have to do is accept it and it's free. It doesn't cost them anything except the life of sin that they're living in. And if they enjoyed that, they wouldn't be searching for something different. God gave us directions on how to get wisdom because it comes from Him. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray and dismiss. Uh, If anybody needs prayers afterwards, the elders will be down here at the front for you. So, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you for the wisdom that is in it. Thank you for the peace of mind that knowing you and knowing your word can bring us in a time of need. We ask that we can remain in your light, remain your light in this world, and always remember to seek you when we need wisdom and discernment for the paths in our lives. Father, be with us as we leave here and give us opportunity to tell the world to tell others of your wondrous love for us. And help us, Father, to always be your light in this dark world. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.